When I lived in Philadelphia, home of the cheesesteak, there was a big controversy when in 2006, one of the famous cheesesteak houses, Gino's, put up a sign in the window that read, This is America. When ordering, speak English. The sign sparked international debate and a lot of outrage. It even sparked an official complaint of discrimination. The Philadelphia Commission on Human Rights ruled that the sign was not discriminatory. So the sign stayed for years. From a marketing standpoint, the business owner at the time, Joey Vento, made a choice. He decided that he only wanted to serve English speakers, or rather, people who ordered in English. In June of this year, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that a website designer could lawfully refuse to create websites for things she doesn't believe in. In the case, the woman did not want to create sites for same-sex weddings. The court ruled that First Amendment protections meant she didn't have to. And back in 2018, Victoria's Secret Chief Marketing Officer at the time, Ed Razek, declared in an interview that the brand didn't include plus-size and trans models in their iconic fashion shows. The reason? Because he felt they didn't exemplify the fantasy the brand was selling. In each of these cases, people were hurt. People were upset. Backlash ensued. But at the end of the day, these business owners and marketers made a choice that is aligned with the first rule of inclusive marketing. We'll get into that rule, what it means and what it doesn't after this short break. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. The first rule of inclusive marketing is this. It is not about serving everyone. If you do want to serve everyone and you have the resources to do so, and that is truly your inclusive brand type, go for it. Go all in. Side note, I cover inclusive brand types in episode 29. I'll drop a link to it in the show notes for you so you can access it easily. Now here's a definition of inclusive marketing. It's all about acknowledging the many ways in which consumers are different, intentionally choosing who your brand will serve, and authentically incorporating those diverse consumers throughout all phases of the marketing mix. Most of the time, when brands make these choices, they are doing it in the affirmative. They'll decide the specific identities they'll want to feel seen, supported, and like they belong with their brand. So often, publicly, that affirmative choice of who a brand decides to include may look like one of these. We are pet-friendly. We are LGBTQ friendly. We are kid-friendly. We are size-inclusive. This is a safe space for people of color. We speak Spanish, or rather, se habla español. Now, people generally don't tend to get outraged over statements and declarations like these when they are public because they don't feel excluded. And in the examples I mentioned previously, the owners intentionally chose, as I mentioned, they followed the first rule of inclusive marketing, 
But the backlash came because when these brands intentionally chose, they did it by publicly declaring who they were excluding. It doesn't feel good when you're excluded. No one wants to be told you don't belong here. Now, I am annoyed when I want to go to a restaurant and they don't have gluten-free options available. However, that restaurant isn't wrong for choosing, whether they're actively choosing or not, we'll get into that later. They aren't wrong for not including gluten-free items on the menu. Brands do not have an obligation to cater to consumers who have different identities. We know this because for ages, brands have not catered to people who were not part of the dominant group. But we're in a new day now. As consumers, we are not the same as we were even 10 years ago. Now, because more of us who have identities that make us not so cleanly fit into what's considered to be mainstream have experienced the joy that comes when a brand does make us feel like we belong, we're not just accepting that it can't be done or that not sufficiently getting our needs met is just the way it is. No, as consumers, we are engaging in credit card activism. We make our voices heard with our wallets. Oh, you don't want to serve gluten-free food? No problem. I'll go to the restaurant down the street that does. And I'll take my gluten-eating friends and family with me. Oh, you're not interested in creating makeup that works for darkened complexions? No problem. We'll go to this brand over here that provides exactly what I need. Oh, you don't have anyone that speaks Spanish that can help me? No problem. I'll go find a business that does. Brands are choosing to include or to exclude, and consumers are choosing to spend their money or to not. Everyone gets to choose. Okay, now there are a few exceptions where government mandates do exist that restrict who and how brands can exclude. For instance, the American with Disabilities Act says that companies must provide reasonable access and accommodation to consumers with disabilities. A couple of years ago, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of a man who sued Domino's Pizza because their website and their app were not accessible. The website and the app were not compatible for use with screen readers, which are used by people who are visually impaired. So when one man wanted to order Domino's Pizza on the website and app and couldn't use his screen reader to do that, Domino's was guilty of restricting access and not providing accommodation. The court ordered Domino's to make their website compliant from an accessibility standpoint using existing guidelines. So there are exceptions, but with every choice, we must accept what comes with it. When you include people, a consequence is you often get more customers. When you exclude people, a consequence is you often lose out on willing customers. The challenge with most brands is that they are not choosing They aren't being specific about deciding who they want to make feel like they belong. And as a result, lots of identities, particularly those from underrepresented and underserved communities, feel left out. We're going to get more into how brands aren't choosing from an inclusion standpoint and what to do about it after this short break. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform 
for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs and a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. I did an interview for one of my programs a while back with Sabrina Meharali, a relational designer, speaker, and consultant. And in it, I loved how she explained the process a lot of marketers take when defining who they serve because it was absolutely true. It's absolutely the case in a lot of instances. And because marketers aren't specific enough, they end up leaving a lot of people out. Sometimes what we see, or a lot of the time, what we see are organizations that say, well, our product is for all children between the ages of this and this. And so we'd say like, all, really all children? Um, What kind of children, right? Is it, uh, is that product for children with varying physical disabilities? Is that product for children that are Black? Is that product for Indigenous children? Is that product for queer children? Is that product for, so when we start to actually ask these questions, then what we see is that a lot of companies are like, oh, um, I don't know. I, I didn't think about that because what we tend to default to unintentionally is privileged identities. And that becomes the norm. When we're designing something for children, what we really mean is the cisgender boy who is able-bodied and white. And so, and so like we have that, we have a an idea in mind, but we haven't actually explicitly called it out. And so it gets masked under children because all children are white boy, <laughs> you know? So that's kind of how we, what we, um, what we tend to default to. Same goes for when we say, you know, a product is for all women. Well, what women? Are we also thinking about trans women? Are we thinking about um, women with disabilities? Are we thinking about the black woman? Are we thinking about um, indigenous women or the women of color? Like when we start to actually stretch it beyond these bigger umbrella terms and we realize that intersectionality is a really important consideration, then we can start to see which, which groups have we really prioritized here and which ones have we forgotten about or have we excluded? So the goal when choosing is to be specific. So if you're deciding that as a brand, you want to serve women, it is important to be clear about how the different identities that exist for these women that can not only impact how they receive your messages, whether or not they feel seen and what you're offering, and whether or not it is for them. And those various identities could even have an impact on the degree of success certain identities experience. So here's an exercise I'd like to walk clients through that helps them gain clarity in this area. So if you're saying you want to serve high-performing women who are trying to balance career and family, ask yourself, what are the different identities of a woman who fits that description? Is it well, white women, black women, Latina women, Asian women, and indigenous women? Are they included? Does it include trans women? Does it include gay women? Does it include Muslim women? Does it include women in their 20s, women in their 40s, and women in their 50s? Does it include women with disabilities? Does it include women who live in Canada, Nigeria, Pakistan, Malaysia, and Colombia? Does it include women who have blended families? 
Does it include women who are caretakers of aging parents? There are a ton of dimensions here. And again, I'm not saying that you have to specifically say you are including all of them, but which identities do you specifically want to make feel like they belong with you? Who do you specifically want to make sure that you devote attention to, to ensure that they achieve success? If you choose to ensure you're focusing on women with disabilities, Muslim women, and Black women, that's A-okay. It does not mean that women who have blended families, white women, LGBTQ plus women, and women in their 50s will necessarily feel invisible, ignored, and like they don't belong. Rather, it means that you are specifically considering these specific identities you've chosen and figuring out how to incorporate them throughout the various components of your marketing mix. So that could mean ensuring you have Muslim women, Black women, and women with disabilities on your team and or your extended team. It could mean that you ensure those identities are represented within the content and visual imagery you put forth. It could mean that you create campaigns that celebrate holidays and other cultural and heritage celebrations that are meaningful to people in those communities. Over time, as you do these things, more Muslim women, Black women, and women with disabilities will start to buy your product and become customers. As you focus on making sure you support them to ensure they achieve success at the same rates as your other customers, in time, you'll also start to accumulate testimonials from Muslim women, Black women, and women with disabilities. And then, you know what will start to happen? More women who have these identities will see themselves reflected in more areas of your customer journey and will start to engage and buy from you. And the cycle continues and continues. Now, once you've set a strong foundation with these identities you've chosen and you have capacity and resources to serve other identities, repeat the process. This time, you might choose women who are part of the LGBTQ community, women who speak Spanish and French, and women who have blended families. As you pull specific levers within your marketing mix that make more people feel seen, supported, and like they belong with you, you will start to build a more diverse customer base. Your brand will grow. And it all starts with choosing. Choose who you're going to serve. Choose who you want to make feel like they belong with you. Choose who you're going to develop a greater degree of intimacy with. The opposite of choosing is not excluding. If you're a bookstore and you decide to feature women authors or Black authors or Indigenous authors, that does not mean that you are choosing not to carry, support, and promote books and authors that don't fall within these categories. The people who enjoy what you offer will still come. Rule number one of inclusive marketing is to intentionally choose who you're going to serve. Choosing who you want to ensure knows they belong with you. If you've already got a group of people who are absolutely sure that they do belong with you, you don't have to put as much attention trying to continue to convince them of that over time. Just continue to nurture that relationship so they continue to know that they belong with you while you're investing time, energy, and resources, making sure that other groups of people absolutely know that they belong with you. Don't skip this important step of choosing because everything you do afterwards flows from this choice. That's it for today's episode. I'm super curious to hear your thoughts about it. So let's continue to have this conversation over on social. Tag me in any posts you make so I can join the discussions. If you like this show, I'd love it if you'd share it with a friend, your colleague, and your network. And I'd totally love it if you leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. 
It really does go a long way toward helping more people discover the show. Also, are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? If you're not, what are you even doing? Each week, I send you stories, news, insights, and other tips to help you attract and retain a more diverse customer base. Go to inclusionandmarketing.com newsletter to get signed up. I'll also drop a link to it in the show notes for you to access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.